Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, I'm Nicholas Gordon, host of the Asian Review of Books podcast done in collaboration with the New Books Network. In this podcast, we interview fiction and nonfiction authors working in, around, and about the Asia-Pacific region. Monica Macias, the youngest daughter of Equatorial Guinea's first president, at just seven years old, lands in Pyongyang, North Korea in 1979. Her father had sent her to the country to study, but what was meant to be a shorter visit grew to a decade-long stay when her father was ousted in a coup. Monica stays in Pyongyang until 94, when she graduates from Pyongyang University of Light Industry, and she decides to travel the world to China, to Spain, South Korea, Equatorial Guinea, the U.S., and the U.K., Everywhere she goes, people are puzzled by her background, an African woman who speaks perfect, flawless, accentless Korean. She first told her story in her biography, I'm Monica from Pyongyang, published in Korean in 2013. She now tells her story in English in Black Girl from Pyongyang, In Search of My Identity, published earlier this year. Today, we talk about Monica's story, her time in Pyongyang, her travels around the world, and what misperceptions we may have about one of the world's most isolated countries. So... Monica, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We we kind of I kind of mentioned this in my intro, but maybe you could start by explaining what brought you to Pyongyang in the first place. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you for having me in your show. Right. So to answer that question, as I uh, as I wrote in the book, the reason why we were in Pyongyang is basically, I can say it in one word, decolonization, uh, well, followed by, um, so the colonization followed by decolonization. So the colonization was characterized um, by the ruthless exploitation of the colonized um, uh, by colonial countries, power, uh, people and from the colonized countries like EG, where those people was considered as a subhuman, inferior to white people with no rights whatsoever, including the right to the education. As a consequence of this, in the aftermath of the um, decolonization, there was, there was no proper educational institutions left in Equatorial Guinea. So, that's prompted my father to send us, um, not only us, but also many Guineans, young Guineans, to study abroad. And that was one of the reasons why my father started, uh, decided to send us to study in North Korea. And you might ask why North Korea? This was because the relationship be- between Spain, who was the colonial, uh, colonizing power of Equatorial Guinea um, and the newborn country, which was Equatorial Guinea, the relationship was going, uh, was very bad. For instance, like the, the, the relationship between Japan in Korea, in peninsula, entire peninsula. So it was the same situation. So um, as a consequence of this bad uh, relationship, all many, um, I think it was most of the uh, um, communist bloc countries like uh, China, Cuba, Russia, and North Korea was reaching out to Africa to to help them the new the new countries in that era, and that's how uh, we got there in North Korea. <laughs> 
So, so in kind, of, I think most people in in hearing the calling it the 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 premise seems like the wrong word. But if if you would tell someone about the story of um, an African woman, um, a black woman growing up in an overwhelmingly Korean society, um, mm. I think most people would expect it to be very difficult um, because of the because of the differences um, in terms of backgrounds, um, et cetera. I guess in short, was it, did you find it difficult to be one of only a handful of people from Africa in in North Korea, or was it actually quite straightforward? I think in the beginning, in, um, I was, I was um, seven years old, so I was a child. So when I arrived in the beginning, everything was, was amazing to me. As I described in, in the book, it was completely new things and um, a new country. So I was amazed. But then when my mom left is when I started to, to uh, feeling really uh, sad because she just disappeared from my life in, in over the night. And then I got um, very sad and I missed her. Uh, and I started to, as she didn't come back for for many years, I decided I started to reject everything. I was it was difficult, and uh, yeah, is the Korean society is is it's quite is a mono society. So I mean, um, opposite to the um, multicultural. So being um, the the only one or uh, black girl in the school it made difficult because I stand out and so there was many factors that it made difficult in the beginning but afterward you know um, you learn how to live with that you know how you 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 made friends and that barrier just disappeared so yeah it, it was difficult in the beginning but you learn how to build the relationship with the people you know and also it helped when I learned the language, also you can, uh, in that way you can communicate. So it was beginning, yeah, like I said, it was difficult, but then it was easier. Mm. And, you know, what, what was what was life like in, in Pyongyang at the time? Um, you know, again, I think with the, with the way people normally think about North Korea, um, and we'll talk more about this later, but they think about they kind of extend today's North Korea backwards or they'll do comparisons with South Korea. But um, I think people people probably don't understand what life actually was like in North Korea during that period of time. Um, I'm sure things were restricted, but, you know, how what was your life actually like in North Korea during I guess during the 80s? I mean, I would describe it within the rule they set because uh, uh, each country have their own rule and North Korea North Korea is not the exception they have a, uh, their own rule within those no, uh, those rule one of them is um, that foreigners cannot uh, interact directly with the Korean is one of them that was one in the beginning it was difficult but if um, if you know how to build a relationship and you know how to navigate in the system that they have set, it makes it more rather easier. 
and um, about the life is we need to go back to understand, yes, uh, um, in the aftermath of the war, so when the Korean War, still officially they are in war, but they are in pose right now, um, uh, North Korea was doing was doing well economically, and uh, there are there are um, documents proving it how the country was doing better than South after the the war, and they received the support from um, Russia uh, back then. So they were doing well until the collapse of of, of communism, communist countries in in nineties. So that's reflected in the people's life. And um, I even remember one, there was, I think it was, um, it was in late eighties, uh, no, in mid eighties, if I'm not wrong, before I, I was still in the boarding school, I remember that Pyongyang was, was uh, uh, asking people to, uh, to save uh, things to help uh, South Korea when they had, a, I think it's it, it there was um, um not not humane but there was a uh, natural dis disaster that happened back then and they send rice and then clothing. I remember that one. So back then, North Korea was not in the situation that many people have it in mind. And uh, if we are honest, we can see that all countries goes ups and down economically, depending on the, the, the history. And we know United States had, a, a, um, it was um, in 30s and the UK as well, I think it was in 90s. So all, if we look at the history of, of any countries, even South Korea before they reached this, they had, they had gone through a difficult moment and Japan. So I um, there are moments for the countries that they are very up in and economically, there are moments that they they go very um down. So when I was living in Pyongyang, the life was uh, much better than 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 what it is later, what it came later. Mm, yeah. Um I mean you you mentioned something there that I wanted to kind of ask more about which were i mean there were restrictions against kind of interaction between foreigners and um and 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 koreans but you are able to make korean friends um growing up kind of i, I wonder i wonder how did those how did those relationships grow and how to again how did you find um making friends with ordinary north koreans i mean i i find it well is it's just a, a, a as a normal human being i mean um I mean, in any society, there is a, and this, um, I mean, as a human, we are very similar. The thing that we we talk about, like um, a relationship between men and women and a marriage and the worries about the, in the school, the grade, and and everything is not in North Korea. People, what I, what I notice is that the outsiders tend to believe that Everything in North Korea uh, um, or the human people, they twenty four hour thinking about the politics, and that's not that's simply not true. They live their life 
they get married they 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 try to uh, i mean they date they might not do it in the way that the outsider think or exactly we are just different different doesn't not mean uh, bad or good or strange or whatever but they are human being as well <laughs> so the relationship was just about that we worried about exams we talk about going out to for instance to mountains having the um the weekend going to amusing park to have a time um boyfriends girlfriends and uh books that you have read, uh, this discussion about the books or movies. So this kind of, of conversation, that's how you build the, the relationship with the people. I hope this- And, and also, I mean, there's, oh yeah, and, and also there, there's access to, um, uh, again, kind of every, the, the, the image of North Korea is extremely isolated. Um, I mean, but you talked at the time, like people, people watched things from, like people, things came in from South Korea. Things came in from from outside. I mean, how much? I, I mean, you, you you talk about it in your book, um, but how much kind of awareness of of culture, things like trends um, outside of North Korea was there in in Pyongyang at the time? How much? Said again. Can you repeat your questions? Oh, how? how I mean, much? how? I mean, how much? Like how much awareness? How much? Or how much did people consume? Um, like culture, entertainment um pop culture trends even from outside of north korea um while you were like amongst your north korean friends or even oh, your, oh yes yeah um, I fellow foreigners about, yeah. in pyongyang yeah mm. yeah 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 i mentioned that in 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 the book so that's that's proof and those who who have been in that era with me in in north korea they know they know that and uh, so <laughs> yeah um I, I I have one more question about your time in North Korea, um, and then I'd like to talk more about uh, your travels outside North Korea after '94. But um, you get to meet and talk with Kim Il Sung. Um, I think there's an anecdote in your book where Kim Il Sung gives you advice. <laughs> um, what was I mean again with the understanding that 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 this is very much. Um, uh, one example of how I interact with with one person. What was Kim Il Sung like? Well, I think I rather to keep that that um, between me and him is is a private uh, relations and it's a private. I rather I rather to keep it for myself. Um. So okay. So in in ninety four, you eventually decide to to leave North Korea and you. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but but kind of the first place you go is you go to Spain, um, and again, kind of like I mentioned in the introduction, but um, you're probably a very a very unique uh, a very unique figure with a very unique background um, with a very unique set of skills, particularly your ability to speak fluent Korean. Um, but did people have like difficulty kind of understanding and like? trying to understand who you were and what your background was? Do people find that, how, how, how did people find that strange and how do they react? Yes, it, it was, it, it is, it's still being, uh, people are, uh, find it difficult to, to understand, to believe, which I understand because like I said in the book, because they grew up in this part of the world, because basically after uh, traveling and living in a, uh, uh, this uh, societies 
in which uh, ideology contrast, contrasting ideology. What I learn is that um, basically the world is still divided into block for me, like in like we were living in a war, cold war, it's still divided in uh, perception. I mean, I'm talking about perception wise. So those people who grew up in uh, block A, let's say the Western is a block A, and the um, the non-Western is block B. But mainly, I'm I'm talking about those formerly. Uh, the block that belongs to the uh, Russia influence, yeah. So the perception that they still have is, it's it is dated back then. They still think each other are the demons, <laughs> yeah. They have misconception between them. Uh, um, A think B is the worst in the world, and B think A is the worst. <laughs> so I step. One, I, I step back and I look at them. I, oh my God, you, you're just doing the same way. Um, um, you, you think the same way, but, and the reason I realized the reason why is is because it's human being. We see the world through the eyes of us and other. There is a uh, Canadian scholar, um, uh, late Canadian scholar. He was Palestinian scholar, Palestinian Canadian scholar. Uh, Edward Said, who, who wrote about the colonialism and um, um, orientalism, actually. So in this book, in his essay, he described very well how it works, the uh, us and either, uh, others binary, yeah? And that was a perfect example how the, the people from the Block A look at the Block B people from the Block B, and how the people from the Block B sees the, um, the people from the Block A, and it's it's amazing. And we still people still have that perception, and that's the reason when I'm telling them um, about my background, they they can't believe it. First of all, they find it amazing, and they find it some say, oh, that's lies some say so they're they're kind of all kind of opinion which which i i understand i i respect because they grew up in a one block or the other influenced by influenced by each uh narratives dominant narratives in those blocks so yeah i do understand that but yes they are quite uh they find it incredible. But you, but you also meet um, many Koreans on in your travels all over the world. I think you talk about meeting a Korean community in Spain. You also go to South Korea for a time. Um, did those Korean communities, um, who I expect were mostly from South Korea, I, I would expect, did they have difficulty, kind of? understanding or grappling with with your background again including your, your your fluency in korean seems to shock a lot of them at least to you um uh as as you tell the story yes um it shocked them they they can't believe they can't picture one woman who is biracial racial because i'm white and black as well speaking flawless korean with no 
accent to them and they 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 can't associate in they can't picture it and and but that's the the first impression yeah when they 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 see me start talking but then when we when i got to know them and we we share we start talking they 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 tell me, oh, I feel like I'm talking to an Asian. I feel like I'm talking with um Korean person. Korean is say it's our people. Our people is a very common um uh, expression in Korean. They say Udisaram, Udisaram. That's mean our people. I feel like uh, I'm I'm talking to someone, one of us. So they 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 can't believe it, but I understand that it's normal because Korea whether it's south or north, has been so long time mono society where so Korea is becoming right now. It's, it's multiculturalism now growing in South Korea is a very recent thing happening, yeah. But it's been really, really mono, um, um, how you say, uh, opposite to multicultural society. So it's it's understandable. I do understand it. And when I first arrived in, in uh, Seoul back then, in I I, it, you know, in a, in a, in a tube, I didn't speak Korean because everyone was just staring at me, surprised and amazed, and not knowing what to do. So I just, I was just like keeping my mouth shut and not talking in the, when my friends calling, calling me in a, in a, and they catch me in a, in the, in the train. So yeah, that was, that was the reaction. So it's normal. It's understandable. Mm. I understand that reaction. Yeah. And, and I guess one more, I mean, one more question about your travels. I mean, you do, you travel back to North Korea um, after you leave um, and uh, you do get the chance to, to return to your boarding school and everything. I mean, what was that experience like returning to North Korea after spending that time um, abroad? How did, had your view of the, of the country and the city changed? I mean, it was a feeling of, of going back home. It's this, it, that feeling is amazing for everyone. I think. I mean, it's the place I grew up. It's the place I, I met. I have friends. It's the place that I, I spend the most important uh, part of my life, which is childhood, adolescent, and part of my adulthood. So, imagine for anyone how how would you feel going back uh, home? You you're happy now. You're asking me how I saw the society. It, it was hard to see because the it was the it was two thousand four, so it was the most difficult difficult moment for 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 them, and so I could see it reflected in the society where I felt I um like the 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 city was stuck in the in the in the time, so it was sad. And but at the same time, I was happy to going back to to visit my school, my lecturers in the university, and I was so lucky because I met my um, classmates there. Who, after graduation, she stayed as a lecturer in the university, and so we we could speak, we could chat, 
And so that that was, I mean, it was amazing, you know, when you when you meet again your your friends of of childhood and well, she wasn't from childhood. Actually, we met. Uh, he, she was a classmate in university, but nevertheless, it was it was. I was happy. I was happy to meet them, meet her, and my lectures. Yeah, it it brought me um a lot of memories. So, <laughs> so I I'd like to kind of wrap this up and. Apologies for for some preamble for this question. You know, you, you I think a lot of people who um, look at North Korea from the outside, which is a lot of people, um, I think they have a certain image of the country. You know, it's North Korea is very isolated. They hear, they read stories about the famines. They read story about stories about the um, about 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 political repression, things like that. Um, and thus they have a very they, they have a very uh they, they have a certain view about the country. Then you read accounts from people who are actually there, and we've done books like that on this show before. Um, we actually talked to ordinary ordinary North Koreans, and the understanding is quite different. Um, you know, for example, uh North Koreans, they know what's going on in the rest of the world. Like they, they know they know what's going on in South Korea, they know what's going on in China. Um and and I guess how in your in in your view how are the, the kind of the way the world thinks about North Korea how does it maybe um, how does it affect what we think about the country how does it affect um, how we think about what to do about North Korea as a country or as um, or as a population um, I, I, I guess how how are these views coloring our understanding of of North Korea and what to do about North Korean questions. You know, there is a Nigerian famous writer. She is really brilliant, uh, Chimamanda. She gave mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. brilliant speech. Have you heard about her? No, I I, um, I have I have not. Go, but what's okay, the? But it's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have time, just uh, I will suggest to to Google her about the uh, single narrative, how dangerous and how manipulative is the single narrative she talks about. She, she calls it single story and I call it single narrative. And when you show the people one single story or one single narrative, what you do is dividing us right? I believe we, all of us, including you, everybody, we want a better international society, a better societies around us. I believe we want that. If we really want that, what we should do is not telling the people, is not telling the people one narrative in order to divide them. Because when we divide, what we create is hate each other. Yeah, hate. And then we create this misconception on purpose. And in that way, you, we make people, by, by telling them only one narrative, we made people um, to just to think from one perspective, not seeing everything. 
because that's not it doesn't help us for to achieve what we want which is a better society where there is no uh, human right issues uh, where is uh, everyone have the same respect that's what we want so let's start by not telling people but not dividing people by telling them a single story. That's what I wanted to do. That's why in the end of my book, I said inclusive. Everyone have a right to say what they understand, what they see. But let's not omit the other part on purpose and tell the people what suits us. You read my book from the beginning to the end. I do, I do talk about what is wrong, and what is what I what is wrong of the societies that I have that, but I also I admit there is another side of them because I don't want to politicize by telling people I don't want to politicize uh, um, perspective in order to divide people. That's not what I'm doing, and I will not do it. Be doing that because there is no nation who owes moral authority to lecture others, none of them. I really have reflected on, on that issue. Who owes the moral authority, authority? Can you name me one? I can bet a thousand billions, billions dollars and no one can mention me that this society owes the moral authority, therefore can lecture others. There isn't. You noted in an earlier answer how um you know how 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 for much of the post-war history it was actually north korea that was the stronger economy stronger than than south korea uh i think that's not that's clearly not true anymore i think south korea is very clearly a wealthier economy it's a cultural powerhouse um and and then i people may take was it, they may take the compa today's comparison and extend it backwards, as in say, oh, South Korea was always the stronger economy, always the the, the stronger cultural, um, and and they take the current disparity and extend that backwards. Um, I mean, uh, I think do you I think? See... Yeah, do 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 you uh, think I that? Think... Uh huh. Has has South Korea's has has South Korea's success, um, and recent success. Do you think that's changed how people understand or talk about or have a certain image of North Korea? I am I'm not sure how people because I didn't do the research about that. But I think what you're trying to say is that uh, this again links to the what I would what I, what I said earlier that the um, knowing that any countries go through ups and downs, downs in their moments in the history, in the in economy. So if, I mean, by common sense, I mean, we, I would say, if I want to know, and which is what I do, if I want to know about a country, I do research. And I really do academic research. That's the reason I came to London to study, to understand myself, to understand. Um, so before jumping in in the conclusion, I I think people would do because there are people out, people out there who, when they want to know, 
they would do the research, background research, and, and go deep academic, not what Wikipedia said, because Wikipedia is not really reliable, but they would do an academic research and they could see that any country have these moments that when the economy goes up and the economy goes down, depending on the, the, the political uh, uh, situations around the world and uh, or, or in the country itself. So I think my answer to that, I don't know because I didn't know, I didn't do the research about that, asking to the people about that. I didn't do any survey, so I can't give you an accurate answer. However, the common sense tells me that if someone wants to know, would go through a real, really rigorous uh, research about that and learn about it. That's my answer. I think that's a great place to end our conversation with um, Monica Macias, author of Black Girl in Pyongyang in Search of My Identity. Um, Monica, I actually have two uh, more questions for you, which are, uh, where can people find your work and what's next for you? What do you think the next project might be? So they can order my book on Amazon. It's available on Amazon. It's been there from March and uh, they can buy it there. And the, uh, the second, what what I'm going to do, well, I, I like to... Um, so with my experiences and uh, what I have learned from living in a, in a, around the different societies, I want to contribute to help people to understand each other. And we bring, if that can help, we, we bring a peaceful society rather than telling people one single story, like Chimamanda said, how dangerous is that? I want, I want to, uh, uh, um, to tell people my story and through my story, if I can help others who is going through um, racism, because I, I, I have suffered racism in, in this country, London, where I'm staying, and I want to help them. That's what I, wanna, I, I want to do so far. And uh, we uh, and contribute, like I said, contribute to helping others and more inclusive society, not exclusive one where only those who are privileged have a, a voice. Because I, as a non-white, I realized that I am not privileged in, in this society. Is In order to be privileged, you have to have the, your skin must be white. So you can, you can even you, you navigate through the system differently. So I, I want to help to eliminate that barrier that and fight about, about that. So you can follow me, Nicholas Gordon, on Twitter at Nick R. I. Gordon. That's N-I-C-K-R-I-G-O-R-D-O-N. You can go to AsianReviewBooks.com to find other reviews, essays, interviews, and excerpts. Follow on Twitter at Book Reviews Asia. That's reviews plural. And you can find many more author interviews at the New Books Network and NewBooksNetwork.com. We hope you've subscribed and listening to the Asian Review Books podcast, now on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Rate us, recommend us, and share us with your friends. If you want to support us continuing to write in a interviewing those writing in 
around and about Asia. Next week, join us for an interview with Peter Tilly, author of The Opium Business, A History of Crime and Capitalism in Maritime China. But before then, Monica, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Nicholas, for having me. 